welcome to a new episode of Chapter Surfing. Uh, we're going to be talking about the TV show Justified on FX, uh, mostly focusing on season one, and that is based on the character Raylan Givens, created by Elmore Leonard, and uh, we read the book Pronto for this. Um, and my guest is EJ Fettis from Fed Talks. Hi! Thank you for I'm being here. I'm happy to be here. Um, so I'd like to start off by talking about kind of like the timeline of, you know, um, whether you watched it first or read it first and sort of like what, uh, you know, preconceived notions you go in with because of that. Um, so for me, I actually did not have a lot of background on this before actually prepping for this episode. Um, I'd seen a handful of Justified episodes, so I'd like seen enough that when I read the book, I pictured, uh. I pictured Timothy Oliphant and everything, um, but I didn't have a ton of familiarity. Uh, so then I read Pronto, and then right after that, watched all of uh, Justified season one. Um, EJ, from just our discussion of it when we were planning the episode, it sounded like you had read a lot of uh, a lot of these works, right? Yeah, I've read a a lot of Elmore Leonard uh... and. Uh, was that all before, uh, or was a lot of that before you watched Justified? Yeah, it was definitely uh, pre pre Justified. A lot in the late '90s and early 2000s. I was pretty much knocking out a couple Elmore Leonard's a month. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I had have read one that was not related to Justified last year, uh, La Brava, which actually in Pronto they randomly are like. Yeah, one time I heard about this guy who, and then just like described that whole book. <laughs> so I guess it is in the same universe, <laughs> right? There's a there's a couple other things in Pronto that seemed like books I had read before, and I couldn't I couldn't quite place them. So I, I'm glad to see you confirmed one of those. <laughs> um, so you uh went into the show uh already really familiar with the character so having that uh background did it did their take feel uh feel like weird to you or anything uh it it didn't uh the one thing looking looking back at it and having read pronto is or having reread pronto and uh it, it's the same thing in uh uh writing the rap is uh Raylan's not in Kentucky for those books. Right, yeah. Like, you that really don't really... See, you don't see him in his milieu. But, but uh... Uh... You know, and by the time the show premiered, it had probably been 10 years since I'd read it, but Raylan had always been kind of my favorite recurring Elmore Leonard character. Mm. And also, I sort of went into it as, uh... Oh, thank God, Timothy Oliphant's wearing a cowboy hat again because I never, <laughs> never recovered from the cancellation of Deadwood. <laughs> and uh, it it really clicked to me. Uh, it felt like the character. Like, I mean, most of his books, he's in, in Miami or traveling abroad. So the, the setting was, was, frankly, fits him better. Yeah, that's something that is so... Uh, interesting um justified like 
such a big part of it is the setting. Like, that's probably the most unique thing about the show, even more than, like, the characters. And I remember um, a, a couple years ago, I was playing a Book Lovers Trivial Pursuit, and there was a question that was something like, uh, this writer is considered, like, the quintessential Los Angeles crime no novelist, and... I got it wrong and the answer was uh, Elmore Leonard and just like only knowing him as the person Justified is based on <laughs> was like so surprised that you would be associated with LA and not Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. There is a, he did sort of a, a short story called Fire in the Hole. Mm -hmm. um, and that was after the two Raylan books that that actually is in Harlan, and that's pretty much what the pilot of Justified is adapting. Right, yeah, because it has the same title. Yeah, but the, the difference is that in the in that story, he kills Boyd Crowder and Dewey <laughs> Crow. <laughs> so, the I don't know if you uh, uh, looked into this, but then years later, after the show was a success... Uh, Elmore Leonard decided to go back to the Raylan well and he wrote a book called Raylan that was set in Harlan and he tried to make it as much like the show as he could but all of the characters that he killed that had become popular on the show he was he sort of had to do like like you know Croyd Bowder and <laughs> it, it's it's one of his more awkward books I think it's one of the last <laughs> things he wrote and it is him trying to retro engineer all the TV show characters back into the into this book. <laughs> that just makes me think of um, the show Shadowhunters, uh, based on the Mortal Instruments books. Uh, there was like this very um, un. I mean, I haven't read the books, but I heard a very like underwritten, uh, backgrounded gay couple. That ended up being like the most popular, uh, the most popular aspect of the TV show, and I just remember <laughs> the the writer being like, "I think I'm gonna write a story about their first time having sex." <laughs> uh, it's just, uh, it's kind of brutal watching people like try to like weirdly cash in on something that is technically theirs, but. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> They didn't realize the parts that people would uh, would gravitate toward. <laughs> um, so yeah, Pronto is all Miami and Italy, so it's a very different vibe. And then when I uh, I had seen the pilot before, but on rewatch, I was like, oh, there's I, I did like the that's Chappie. I was like, that's Miami. <laughs> it is like. <laughs> I really hope you pointed to the screen when it happened. <laughs> um, how did you feel uh, rewatching Justified, um, not only after having just read the book, but just in general, because some time has passed since it aired, and I did feel like, uh, at least for me, watching it felt very different than uh, than in like the 2010s. Yeah. Uh, now, we have we have a very different experience with the show because that it's it's one of my all time favorites, and I keep 
starting to rewatch it and not getting very far because of the the time commitment and the fact that there's a lot of things on TV. Right. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of it was, hey, it's my old friends who <laughs> I they definitely played more up the racist aspects of those characters in the first season. Uh, <laughs> they do not remind you of Boyd's Nazi tattoos after he becomes a a major character with with a third dimension and everything <laughs> but uh season one is so different from the from the uh subsequent seasons in that it gets very very arc focused after as of season two like season two is about the bennett family who are running the marijuana trade in harlan and that's kind of where margot martindale uh entered the public consciousness in a big way, I think. Mm. And, uh, you know, from, from season two on, Boyd is basically a co-lead. So he and Raylan have their own separate things that either kind of dovetail or one of them has to be pulled out of their story to deal with the other one occasionally. And watching this, it's like the first nine or ten episodes are pretty much standalone. Mm-hmm. You know, and you don't even see Boyd again for like six episodes, which I had forgot he drops out for that long. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it doesn't quite, I enjoyed rewatching it, but it doesn't quite feel like the show it became where it starts to really, really develop kind of this intricate continuity and, like I say, the way it, it built up Boyd and uh, I was also shocked at how little screen time uh, Winona had. I remembered her being a bigger part of the season and she just barely pops in occasionally. But, you know, everything about law enforcement feels different in 2022 than it did in 2010 also. <laughs> um, it's so funny you say... The rest of this isn't like uh, season one because that was definitely what I liked about it. Uh, (laughs) It just felt so refreshing how you watch this and you're like, oh God, every episode of this is an episode of television. (laughs) It's so nice. Um, And I almost had this feeling of like, Watching it now, it's refreshing in a completely different way than when it first came out, where when it first came out, you would be like, oh, wow, this has like a little bit of an ongoing arc. That's cool. And watching it now, you're like, oh, God, it's so nice that the episodes feel like real episodes. (laughs) There's there's a story that's resolved. (laughs) I I do think it, when it went more, more, uh, got into more arc-based storytelling. I don't think that's a thing. That's I've said it twice now. I'm trying to make <laughs> it a... Uh, I think it handled it better simply because uh, Boyd and Raylan both carried separate stories for most of the season, so you could have a, a episode that was real heavy on Boyd dealing with the snake-handling church that's threatening his, his business, and that's kind of a season thing but then Raylan for that episode he's got to transport a prisoner <laughs> right do Dewey Crow got scammed and thinks the lady stole his kidneys you know there's all sorts of uh 
one or the other would get an episode that was kind of self-contained, which mm-hmm. uh, I've, I've been going on to rewatch the rest. I mean, I'm not far. I'm into season two now, but it's still really satisfying to get those nice little here's here's a, here's a a plot that is complete in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, another funny thing I thought of rewatching it now um, was that even though this was the first thing I had seen Walton Goggins in and I like remembered that this was the first role I saw him in, I just continually kept being like, it's so weird watching him in a drama. <laughs> it's, it's, it's some whiplash to go from Righteous Gemstones to Justified. Yeah, especially because... Uh, even though their tones are on the surface very different, like, the dialogue is also very similar. (laughs) (laughs) There are these scenes where they're very serious, but the, like, the writing is so good and clever, and, like, their acting is so sharp that they have almost a sitcom, like, rhythm to it. Um... Like, in the pilot, when uh, Boyd reunites with Raylan and just starts immediately trying to sell him on how the Jews control everything, it's like, <laughs> it's serious, but there's also that, like, very sitcom beat of, like, oh, you misread the room. <laughs> Boyd's sort of a, a prison preacher persona that he develops, too, is very funny. Yes. There, there's something I, I noticed having watched uh, this so quickly after Righteous Gemstones. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a thing Walton Goggins just brings to characters is he often just puts the word now in sentences where it wouldn't necessarily belong. Oh, interesting. Like, there's one from Righteous Gemstones I always remember where he, he just says something like, I'm an old man now. But not like... <laughs> I'm an old man at this time. It was like now was more of a space filler as oh, opposed yeah. to a thing where he's comparing to when he was not an old man. Mm-hmm. Just his delivery of it. And Boyd Crowder does that a lot too. There's a lot of, uh, he likes to use the word now the way people use like or um. Hmm. Also, as, as long as we're talking Goggins, which <laughs> I yeah. almost always am. <laughs> I have this theory that he's the best actor. Yeah. Because sometimes you see somebody in a role and it's like, oh, I'm never going to be able to think of them as anything else. Mm-hmm. And some people never really get past that. And, uh, you know, they go from a hit show to never really acting again. But they had their hit show, so it's fine. I don't want to make anybody sad. Mm-hmm. And I've thought that about him multiple times. Like, I watched The Shield before, you know, when that came out, which was pre-Justified, and he's so good in it, but his character is so loathsome. And I'm saying this about a man who went on to play a Nazi. <laughs> I just sort of had this, like, sometimes people who play play villains on TV will talk about getting slapped at the grocery store. <laughs> right. And it's always like, well, obviously people are insane. They're actors. And right. I just had this loathing at the pit of my stomach where I'm going, this is an incredible performance. I don't ever want to see him again. (laughs) I want this character to die and then never have him on. 
uh, never have him on anything. And I was never going to be able to think of him as anything else. And then Boyd Crowder comes along and, oh, that's who he is. And then vice principals, it's like, oh, nope, this is a completely <laughs> different thing. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think what's interesting about it is I feel like a, so many actors will try to like really obviously transform because they want you to think about them differently. They'll just be, you know, radically doing like different accents and different weights and all that stuff. And what I find really refreshing about Walton Goggins is like, in a way, the performances aren't that different. Like you're not, I mean, I guess like Baby Billy has like old man makeup, but it's still like very, very similar to uh, to Boyd Crowder. It's just um, you know doing acting. It's not like um, yeah, like he in his first scene, he like he asks uh, Raylan like, "How's your ditty doing?" And I'm like, "Man, this guy <laughs> loves asking people about their ditty." <laughs> <laughs> That's that's his thing as an actor. <laughs> he wants to know about your ditty. <laughs> yeah, it's he doesn't really affect a different accent. Uh, all of his characters were born in the same ten square block radius, I think. <laughs> yeah, and it's even kind of the same physicality, but it's so <laughs> it's. I guess uh, vice principles is maybe not quite as a little different physicality. He's a little more closed in, but it's still. You know, he's not actively trying to be the opposite of Boyd Crowder. It's just a... Right. Here's, he's going to Goggins up that character, and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. I want him to play the Joker. Oh, God, that'd be so good. <laughs> he could wear his wardrobe from from Vice Principals. <laughs> Wait, All those sort of... I'm just Googling uh, what he looked like in Vice Principals, because I haven't actually seen that one. Oh, okay. Oh, I think you like it. It's... Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Joker should wear that. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a very southern Joker that's uh, that we've been denied all this time. Yes. His bit can be that he just keeps insisting that he's not from the South. He's, he's always <laughs> saying he's from England or New Zealand or wherever. <laughs> <laughs> and he'll ask Batman about his ditty. <laughs> Um, yeah, since we're on the subject of, uh, Boyd, um, we might as well talk about, um, I think the strongest aspect, at least in season one, is, um, just, like, the chemistry between, um, between Raylan and Boyd. Um, it's, this, uh, dynamic shows try to do a lot, like, Hannibal and Killing Eve is, are the most obvious, uh, and it just works so well here and I think it's partially because there's this really mundane aspect of them just being like guys who know each other because they live in the same town yeah yeah I think so there's this they, they have this history where they dug coal together but they're not you know it's not like they were they were friends who ended up on opposite sides of the law it was just this you know yeah like they they grew up in the same town. They had the same job. Uh, yeah, it's such a natural. 
and I, I wonder, I don't know if you research this because you always seem to know more than I do. Because <laughs> they, they leave it sort of vague in, in the first episode. Like they easily could have killed Boyd. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Art says something like, oh, there's a chance he could survive getting shot in the chest. And then he's gone for so long. And I just wonder if they had started with the idea that he was a one-off character and saw that chemistry and went, oh no, wait, that's the show. Yeah, I don't know if that's the case. I know that does seem to happen a lot. Like uh, Breaking Bad was going to kill off Jesse. I heard, I don't know if this is true, but I've heard that Succession was going to kill off Logan. And <laughs> it is and it is such an interesting thing that it seems like shows are very often like, hey, maybe we shouldn't kill off the most interesting part of the show. And it's like, <laughs> Yeah, which makes me feel so weird as, like, um, like as someone who's written pilots that have never been made, just, like, imagining some, like, random character that I feel is obviously not interesting right now could become, like, the center of the show is such a weird thought. It's, it, it's wild. I, I have written pilots that have even been, been even less sold than yours, and... Uh, <laughs> I, I, I understand that completely. <laughs> Maybe that's a separate conversation for off the pod, but I've gotten <laughs> notes and had that experience where somebody's like, yeah, play this up. And I'm like, well, I don't even care about that character. <laughs> they fulfill a function. Um, but yeah, I did. I it is easy to imagine, like, if you're on that set watching Timothy Oliphant and Walton Goggins being like, oh, okay, that's the show now. <laughs> um, what was, uh, I know, I don't know if you reread it recently, but um, what was sort of the impression of Boyd Crowder from that short story? Uh, it's, it has been a while since I've read it, but it... I think that he was more racist and less appealing. Sure. <laughs> um, but had he been played by somebody other than Walton Goggins, it could have just played very much like it did in the book. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I feel like he came off as dumber. And he's not written that smart in the pilot, but uh, there there's something there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's I wanted to reread it before we, we recorded, and I completely manage my time poorly (laughs) i do have a question for you you mentioned boyd not seeming very smart in the uh in the short story right Mm -hmm. um i felt like i don't i don't know if i maybe have trouble understanding elmore leonard books i haven't read other crime novels which might help um but like i feel like no one is very smart like in pronto Wayland's like one job is to make sure this guy doesn't skip town and he like goes to the bathroom and then comes back and the guy's right. gone. I forgot Rayland kept getting outwitted. Yeah. <laughs> but like it doesn't it doesn't even really seem like outwitted. It was like he wasn't really trying. <laughs> <laughs> that does seem like very day one. Uh no, keep an eye on them when they go to the bathroom. <laughs> Yeah, that's it it kind of depends because he's 
he's less formulaic than than he seems to be. Mm. But that said, you could pull three Elmore Leonard novels and go, oh, these are kind of these are kind of the same, but it's also kind of luck of the draw. Mm-hmm. Some of them are about either rarely cops, but sometimes a, a, a detective or a, like a bail bondsman who is extremely good at their job and everybody's kind of playing at a higher level. Mm-hmm. And uh, like uh, Get Shorty, which was adapted to both a movie and a TV show. Mm, yeah. There's so many Elmore Leonard's you could do. Hell yeah. You got you got Karen Sisko, you got Maximum Bob. Uh but like that one, the the uh Chili Palmer, the John Travolta character from the movie, is one of those guys who should be dumb, but he's exceptionally smart. And so that's sort of a of uh or at least, at least uh, very good at his job and insightful, and that's one of the one of the books that's that's a, a there's protagonists being good at their job and protagonists surviving despite making a lot of mistakes. Hmm. And yeah, Pronto is the whole mob is just absolute dipshits. <laughs> there's there's nobody who is good at what they're doing. They. As you pointed out, Raylan makes giant mistakes, and he just regularly clowns every single member of this Miami mob. <laughs> yes, it's uh, yes, yeah, so and some of the the crime focus novels are are about scam artists, which are again you have people who are like like almost supernaturally intelligent, and. I kind of remembered Raylan being that way and rereading Pronto. I'm like, oh no, he he screwed up and he was shocked that they don't have Dr. Pepper in Italy. <laughs> Which, that's that's one of the things that I can imagine, like I think kind of made the leap to the show where Raylan will sometimes kind of fixate on an interesting fact and bring it up multiple times in an episode. <laughs> or he he's not sure how something is pronounced and he will ask, more than one person <laughs> as the episode goes. <laughs> yeah, he's he's definitely more competent, but uh also the second episode is him just getting everything taken by by just a nothing robber. So <laughs> I, there are a lot of details from season one I forgot and I'm like, oh yeah, he took everything. <laughs> Oh God, I love Raylan Gibbons. Um, one thing I found really uh, that I really loved about the show, uh, watching the whole season for the first time, um, is just like how often people get shot. <laughs> it's just so much more exciting than other shows because they're never like ruminating on it and drawing out the tension um you're just always like oh someone might decide to shoot someone at any moment (laughs) also so many characters get shot and go about their day (laughs) i mean there's oh yeah there there is the 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 episode with the two guys who were scamming Raylan. they were practicing their quick draws and one of them just shoots the other one and yeah, that would that would have been a whole thing on a on a modern HBO drama. 
they have talked about people just get shot. <laughs> <laughs> when Raylan throws a guy out the window and just starts firing blindly into the night. Raylan loves shooting people. <laughs> um, yeah, when Boyd gets out of prison and they're like, yeah, we have to let him go because... There's no proof that he did anything, and you also shot him in the chest. I'm like, yeah, that's all very fair. <laughs> you, you did a bad job with this case. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he is closer to Book Raylan than I thought. <laughs> now, here's I here's a, a thing I learned. Uh, doing doing a little bit of research. Pronto was made into a TV movie in 1997. Oh, wow. It was on Showtime. And I initially was shocked because I'm like, 1997, I was, I was in the Elmore Leonard thrall at that point. But 1997 was before The Sopranos, so HBO wasn't even making quality original content mm -hmm. and Showtime always kind of lagged behind them by a few years. Mm. So I can't imagine a, a Showtime movie being on anybody's, uh, anybody's radar in 1997. But uh, Peter Falk plays Harry. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the cast list now. <laughs> it's kind of great, right? Yeah. It is a shame Louise Guzman was not a regular Unjustified. Ah, <laughs> oh, it would have been so good. The uh, uh, James LaGrosse, who played Raylan, did get to appear as a bad guy in Justified. So that was that was that was a nice thing they did for him. Yeah. Oh man, he was in a bunch of episodes. Hey, good for him. <laughs> It the the like the the poster just looks so <laughs> yeah. like it looks very nineteen nineties TV movie. <laughs> what we need for our age is a streaming show that makes all of these universes uh, connected. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Elmore Leonard cinematic universe. Yes, with both versions of Raylan Givens in it. And him playing that justified villain as well. <laughs> you know, they did a kind of off-the-books crossover with Karen Sisko. Hmm. Which, uh, I am blanking now. I can't remember if the lead was Paula Marcia or Carla, Carla Gugino. I think it's Carla Gugino. I also might have mispronounced her name. I was not sure when I started saying it, and I didn't think there was a good Carla way Gugino. out. Carla Gugino. That's pretty close. Okay. I was more concerned about the Gs, but you got the <laughs> vowels. So uh, I get those two perpetually confused. And uh, so Karen Sisko was the same character that Jennifer Lopez, Jennifer Lopez, I can't pronounce that name either. <laughs> That's a gimme. I just can't talk. I apologize. Uh <laughs> Uh, that was the character Jennifer Lopez played in Out of Sight. Oh, okay. Uh, and they changed her name, but it was a... Uh, it ran on ABC in, like, 99. And she is on 
justified in season three or four and they changed her name because they don't have the rights to either out of sight or Karen Cisco. <laughs> mm -hmm. But it was the same character, basically. If this had happened in a post Disney Fox merger, they could have used the name. Oh, absolutely. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Someone <laughs> sees on that. <laughs> Boy. Yeah, now I wonder what of the which of the Elmore Leonard adaptations are Maximum Bob was on ABC. Man, I think everything but get, everything but get shorty can uh, can be folded in. Hell yeah! <laughs> Let's pitch this. Yeah, <laughs> I know they're doing the revival miniseries, but uh, they need plans after that. Yeah, I forgot about that revival miniseries, which is based on a book that Raylan is not in. <laughs> But I think they just wanted to do one of his Detroit novels to do a a locale that they hadn't really done on the show. And the the finale, I don't know if you're going to keep watching, I'm, so I'm not going to spoil anything regardless. But it wraps up it wraps up everybody's characters so satisfyingly mm -hmm. that you kind of don't want to see Raylan in Harlan ever again. Which, and then since it's Elmore Leonard, you're left with Miami or Detroit. <laughs> and which <laughs> just depends on where he was living when he wrote that book. <laughs> All of his early crime novels are about Detroit, and then suddenly they're about Miami. And it's like, oh, because he moved to Miami. <laughs> he, he didn't want to do, do a lot of research uh, about different locations. Which is why Pronto's so weird, because they, they leave the country. Right? He must Maybe. have gone on vacation. Yeah. Now, uh, as a person who has not, you did read the, the one Elmore Leonard, but so Pronto was your second. Mm -hmm. uh, how did you, how did you like reading the book? That seems more like a, a like a, a middle-aged guy thing to me and and you're younger than I am so I feel like uh I feel like here's what I pictured in my mind mm -hmm. I pictured you reacting it to it the way I react to Jack Ryan on Amazon <laughs> which is this is probably well done but it's gonna be like 10 years before I care about this <laughs> yeah I felt I just kind of felt like I was missing something the whole time um, like in every scene, I was just kind of like, are they working towards their goals right now? Is what's happening to them good or bad? Like, I just like, I could, I like, I could follow the individual scenes. Like, it's easy to understand what's happening, but in like a larger sense, I kept being like, is there an outcome that these characters want more than other outcomes? I, that is totally fair, and there are definitely characters in there who, right up to the end, it's not clear which of two diametrically opposed outcomes they would prefer. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's that that's obviously it's fair. It's your opinion. Uh, <laughs> that that kind of tracks to me. That's it's. I mean, the man wrote so many books and they're kind of all over the place. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, I think this being one of his books about dumbasses has a lot more of that. Um, but yeah, it also has this, it has a very 90s feel to it. Mm. Like there's just something about, I don't know, the, I, I'd have to look up when it was written. It seems like something that was, no, there's no way. I was going to say it seems a little like Pulp Fiction was sort of a an influence because it's a lot of people trying to be cooler than they are. Mm. But there's no way he would have written this after Pulp Fiction came out and then had a TV movie on Showtime in 1997. <laughs> oh, that would have yeah. been the fastest turnover ever. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, you know, it wouldn't make my, 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 my top Elmore Leonard books... Uh, although Raylan Givens is my favorite recurring character, but when I read the book as a as a much younger man, I automatically pictured Bruce Campbell as Raylan. Oh yeah, I totally see that. Uh, because you know he's he's played cowboys before, and he does have sort of that. He would be believable as the dummy who's like, yeah, no, I'll I'll wait, go to the bathroom, <laughs> come right come right back, federal <laughs> prisoner. And uh, uh, and maybe that's why he clicked with me so much when I was reading those books. Then was uh, I just picture I pictured Bruce Campbell and Alice Rocco in the book. Um, Alex Rocco being the one of those great Italian old man actors. Uh, okay, he's the guy who gets shot in the eye in The Godfather. Ah. Mo Green. I am desperately trying to come up with a, a I, I think he's been dead for 10 years, so probably there isn't a contemporary reference, but <laughs> I'm trying to come up with something that isn't a middle-aged reference to Alex, Alex Rocco. <laughs> like, remember how funny he was on the famous Teddy Z? <laughs> with... um, <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, I think Bruce Campbell is really good uh, headcanon casting, but you do miss out on one of my favorite things about the show is whenever I'm watching Braylon and Boyd, part of me just keeps thinking, they're so small. Like, I love that they're just small. You're like, oh, that's why they're shooting people all the time, because if it came down to hand-to-hand combat. <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> and really, as, 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 tough and competent as they're shown to be they get their asses kicked a lot yes two guys in a bar just take Raylan out back and destroy him that is one of my favorite sort of uh types of uh character is just like um that sort of tough guy who is constantly getting his ass kicked. I'm like, yeah, I respect that more. If you were just, like, huge and impenetrable, there'd be nothing on the line. <laughs> you, you, you need to have bruises on your face for a couple episodes. Yeah. I Yeah, I love that, like, like Boyd gets into that uh, fight in prison where you're just immediately legitimately like oh any of these guys could rip his head off at any moment and the fact that like Boyd keeps up this sort of like smirking confidence and is just you know trying his best in that fight uh I think is uh part of what makes him such an endearing character 
Yeah, yeah, you're right. He doesn't work at all if he if he's bigger. Yeah, the, yeah, you're just like he's always on this precarious line where you're like, yeah, he's acting so confident, but at any moment, if any of his associates gets annoyed, they could just take his arm off. <laughs> Everybody in his family can beat his ass. <laughs> Oh, that was another uh, thing I forgot from Pronto is uh, Raylan's dad is such a recurring figure uh, through the first season of Justified. And mm -hmm. Pronto just uh, casually mentions that he died of the black lung. Oh, yeah. So basically all of the recurring characters from from Justified are dead in the Elmore Leonard uh, novel verse. Yes. Um. Yeah, I love that aspect of the story so much that, like, the main story is all Raylan and Boyd's dad, both of their dads. <laughs> like, I love what a tiny, tiny world this takes place in. You, like, it almost reminds me of more of, like, a soap-type show like Gossip Girl, where it's just, like, all the main characters are so interconnected that anything anyone does affects everyone else and... I feel like you don't always get that kind of social closeness in like crime type shows. Yeah. Yeah. Like basically everybody knows who everybody else is. Mm -hmm. You know, if somebody does something, Raylan knows where they hang out. Yeah. And yeah, I love that. It's such a big, like, uh, you know, cop versus neo-Nazis type situation but with like Thanksgiving gossip like thrown in <laughs> that was really funny Thanksgiving gossip <laughs> yeah it's they could be in high school and you wouldn't have to you wouldn't have to change much of the dialogue <laughs> even <laughs> the uh I guess this isn't so much a part of the first season, but uh, Ava ends up with, with Boyd kind of going forward from season two. And so you have that dynamic of uh, of Raylan, Boyd, and Ava, which also feels very, very euphoria. Yeah. <laughs> Oddly justified written by younger people than euphoria is. <laughs> Um. Oh, go ahead. I, was, I, you, you touched on it before, but I just think it kind of needs to be said that this Boyd Crowder is this incredibly. He's he he's he's a nightmare, but he's this really appealing character in a lot of ways. And the first thing we see is the first thing we see him do is blow up a black church with a bazooka. Yeah. It. Uh, first off, I love how shitty the explosion looks. <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah, that's television. I don't want it that, to look too good. <laughs> that, that's FX in 2010, baby. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, they walk such an interesting line that feels like it should be really hard to pull off where, um, like, I do like Boyd a lot, um... And at the same time, I just feel like the show really does aggressively hate neo-Nazis in an almost, like, refreshing way. Because <laughs> I see, like, a lot of shows, 
like, I keep, I always think of that um, Crisis on Earth X special that the CW did, um, where, like, there's the alternate universe where they're all Nazis, and so when they show up in in, um, the main universe, all the characters are like, ugh, I hate Nazis, in a way that's really, like, for the promo. Um, (laughs) But it, like... Spoiler alert for that special, it also, like, killed off one of their two main Jewish characters. Oh, God. Um, So it was overall just, like, a weird stunt. And just, like, you see so much TV with that type of, like, lip service-y, like, for the promo type stuff where you're just like, I don't know. I don't want to feel about hating Nazis the way I used to feel about, like, girls kissing. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) it's for the promo. Um... And I did really enjoy how, like, baked into Justified it is that it's, like, yeah, a big part of this show is disliking neo-Nazis. <laughs> there's, there's no positive traits to the... And they really, I think, wisely walk that back with Boyd in the future because they want him to be an ongoing concern. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is him just sort of adopting the belief he needed to with his terrible family to survive. And there, right, there's yeah. never a thing where, where, I mean, he never really gets a pass on that by any means, but it's, it's in a way that they don't have to keep addressing it where they, which is good because if they're going to make you like somebody, they'd better not, they'd better completely absolve themselves of their past neo-Nazi stance. <laughs> you really see that um, sort of his biggest trait is sort of this ability to like manipulate any aspect like it's the same thing as when he becomes very christian where he's just like manipulating rhetoric uh to to his own devices all the time um you see in the pilot um i love uh, how raylan just has like the very like calm condescending response where he's like Boyd, how many Jewish people have you met? Like, that is a great moment where you're like, yeah, why why would someone in Kentucky aggressively be like... (laughs) You know what? Hadn't thought of that, but that's... That's a solid point. Wow. <laughs> Man, justified stance on Nazism holds up. <laughs> um, oh, another, going back to the book, um, this is such a small aspect, but I wanted to talk about it because it jumped out at me so much. Uh, there's a character in the book who is fat, and the way the book, harps on this is just absolutely nuts (laughs) yeah like he's the fattest person in the world there's there's like a part where uh someone's looking at him and is like all that fat and no muscle he didn't even look human and i was like jesus like did a fat man steal elmore leonard's wife what happened here yeah it'd be i mean there's so many different narrative points of view in there but multiple characters express that so you can't his girlfriend is worried about dying under him <laughs> the, yeah and the 
that line that's like all that fat and no muscle I'm like that's a very normal body type it would be so much weirder if he had giant biceps and then the rest of him was fat (laughs) it'd be weird if his head was twice as large as the rest of his body that's yeah and uh you they even specified there at one point he weighed 350 pounds that would not even be the fattest person you see in a day yeah (laughs) i feel like there's a weird thing where like pop culture uh always like weighs people way under what it should be like they'll uh they'll say like someone is like 150 pounds and it's like whoa that's so fat and I'm like I feel like there's a rule that if you're writing things you're not allowed to know what people weigh (laughs) (laughs) when when I was when I was a young nerd as opposed to whatever I am now Mm -hmm. an elderly uh, elderly nerd I remember Marvel published like these Things that were just, like, statistics of all the characters. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I think it was called the Official Handbook to the Marvel Universe. And it would just be, hey, here's a picture of Captain America. We're going to have paragraphs of text where we tell you his origin and his skills. And it's going to have everybody's height and weight. <laughs> and they're all just utter, like, Captain America, who, again, I have I couldn't even guess what Chris Evans weighs, but who is portrayed as being in the comics as being like six foot two and just absolutely jacked. And like he weighs 180 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Every, every fictional character is like on a planet with a different gravitational pull. <laughs> it's, it is always so weird when they codify weight in numbers. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I always think of the 30 rock pilot when Jack guesses Liz's weight and he's like, you're, 120 pounds and it's like well then she's very thin why is that embarrassing (laughs) that i can't even fully put that on 30 rock because i uh have my entire life been baffled by by what women weigh Mm -hmm. because i always think it's comparable uh to to uh like i just i i I compare somebody to my height Mm -hmm. and just sort of generally base it around that and it'll be you know somebody who's five six that probably i don't know 170 (laughs) i just i i'm always i am always shocked but also it doesn't come up that often it's just a thing (laughs) that i have Every time somebody has told me, I'm always like, really? That a person can weigh that? <laughs> but you're five nine. <laughs> but you know, I had a weird thing reading the book and I I remembered some details here and there, but it like you know, like I said, it's probably been twenty years. I bought it digitally in a uh, the Raylan Givens collection, which had Pronto uh, riding the rap and fire in the hole. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was reading it on Kindle, which gives you the percentage of completion. And I didn't realize it was basing that percentage on all three. Oh. 
and I thought it was just the percentage of pronto, and I'm like, I'm at like the 30% mark, and shit is going down. <laughs> and stuff starts resolving real fast all of a sudden, and I'm like, what is the rest of this book even? <laughs> is, is somebody else going to emerge who also hates Harry? <laughs> oh, here's a, a, a thing from the book that struck me as weird mm -hmm. uh uh horny Raylan. oh yeah <laughs> he is so horny for joyce and that's a uh that's like how they suck you in i uh i guess you read it on kindle but on my copy the back was like uh in big letters like and maybe at the end of this job he'll get with his uh lingerie model <laughs> girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> That that's the Elmore Leonard approach to sex cells is telling you somebody is hot on the back cover. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the front cover is like a plane and a pair of dice or something. Um Yeah, it felt very like pre-internet to be like, this will mention someone who modeled lingerie in the past. <laughs> I I have to say, uh, Elmore Leonard, I think, generally did a pretty good job with female characters, except when he didn't. <laughs> because sometimes they are they just exist in in relation to the male lead of a story, and you know sometimes you get like uh, out of sight or rum punch, both of which were made into movies with uh, big name actresses, where they're they're really driving it, but. Joyce, I think Joyce was Joyce was a pretty well done character. I thought, mm -hmm. like, I mean, she's not the most interesting character, but I feel like she has like a level of of uh, of depth and agency that a lot of people writing in his genre probably would not have given that character mm -hmm. because there. I mean, there's a way to tell that story where she is not any active participant I mean she, I guess she's not the most active participant but she accomplishes more than Harry does <laughs> and having read a lot of Elmore Leonard knockoffs in the 90s also uh, every single one of them would, uh, would have done a much worse job <laughs> and I that was one of the pleasant surprises for me it's like hey, he did a pretty good job with her I mean right away they set up yeah she's a lingerie model she used to be a stripper uh, she's, you know, Harry's much older than her. And I'm like, all right, 70 year old Elmore Leonard, I get what you're doing. <laughs> and that was one of the pleasant surprises for me. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I felt like every character was written with a surprising amount of depth. Like that does seem like one of his big things is to like bring a lot to the characters. Um, like, uh. Nikki also seemed like someone who should get like zero internal life, um, <laughs> but was written in a pretty interesting way. Yeah, just an absolute dumbass character. Yes, <laughs> could have could have just left him like that, and uh, yeah, he, and the, there were bits I really, I thought were really clever. Uh, there's one, and it, and it made me sad because I liked uh, uh, Robert. Uh, basically the one nice person who dies in the book 
But after they've taken him, like they've taken him hostage and they're just using him to get Raylan there. And Robert's like, I would tell you everything I know. I have no emotional involvement in this, in this, <laughs> in the, these events. <laughs> Please just ask me where Harry is. I will tell you. And I really like that. This was yeah. a character who didn't want to be participating in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just going to say, uh, I thought, yeah, Joyce, the actual female character in the book was pretty good. Um, Raylan definitely talks about his ex-wife in a very like, take my wife, please kind of way. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was nice uh, seeing on the show that she is like an actual person. Right. And he would never, TV Raylan would never talk that way about her. <laughs> like just, yeah, that's one of the weirder, one of the, one of the ways they definitely improved Raylan. Also, it's hard to imagine Timothy Oliphant's version being too concerned about naming the kids after the right country singers. <laughs> um. I, it's it's like so much of the bones of Ray, of Justified Raylan are in the book that everything that feels off feels really off. Mm-hmm. Like like you said, the the take my wife please thing. <laughs> Like, you can just sort of map out the the few things that are like, oh, that didn't last. And then, then those then jump out at you. But, you know, I spent seven years with Raylan Givens, so it's hard to... A- any deviation from that seems like off-brand Raylan. Right. Excuse me. I hope the microphone didn't pick that up. I think you're safe. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I love on the show his uh, ex-wife uh, who wanted to settle down with someone stable instead. And then that guy just gets uh, <laughs> just wrapped up in some horrible crime. <laughs> she, she has the worst luck. Yeah, she can't catch a break. I also love that they put in a line where she's like talking about why she picked him and she she says to Timothy Oliphant, like, it's not because I think he's better looking and I just at that was like, I don't think anyone thought that. <laughs> <laughs> so so you're 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 not putting William Ragsdale over Timothy Oliphant? Sometimes he like uh it was one of those moments where you just want them to like break the fourth wall and be like, um, I'm Timothy Oliphant. <laughs> like it's weird <laughs> to not acknowledge it. <laughs> now, this might be an, uh, an age thing again. Did you recognize her husband? No. From classic television. Although it's a show that has not really survived into the modern eight day. He's Herman of Herman's Head. Oh, Wow. Um, but there's, yeah, I don't know how much you've, you've watched beyond this, but man, the cast that they get coming into this show in future seasons is just ridiculous. I mean, you get, you get, uh, I'm just kind of scrolling through the list of people who had significant guest runs and. You know, you had Margot Martindale and Jeremy Davies and Michael Rappaport and Mary Steenburgen and Sam Elliott, which was a lot more exciting before uh, 
before <laughs> the last two weeks. Um, just uh, Neil McDonough. There, man. They just they had the best casting. They just went nuts. Um, he's only in this season a little bit, but uh, uh, Jared Burns as Win Duffy. Yeah. That guy sticks around for the remainder of the show. <laughs> and he is so, just so great. He's just weaseling in on the fringes of every major story. <laughs> and I, I love him so much. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was so excited. I forgot he showed up in the series that early. Mm-hmm. And, uh. Oh, man, he's in more episodes than anybody except the opening title cast. Oh, wow. He's, you know, outside of uh, Boyd and Raylan and uh, the people he works with. uh, 46 episodes Jerry Burns is in. (laughs) Winona only beats him by three. Damn. Um, Yeah, I love Win Duffy. He's He's always... He's always spitting out these angles that seem like he's going to die. He's maybe the most original character from the show who feels the most like an Elmore Leonard character. Mm. Like, if he'd come up with Win Duffy, there would have been six books about him. <laughs> he would have met Raylan. He would have met Chili Palmer. He would have met... Uh, uh, I want to say Jackie Brown, because that was the name of the movie, but her name wasn't Jackie Brown in the book. Uh <laughs> I'm old. I can't remember names of characters from books from 25 years ago. That's very fair. Although I've seen your Twitter. You know everything. You remember, seem to remember every book. So it's very <laughs> intimidating. <laughs> I I have to say, and you, you can cut this if this is embarrassing. I have enjoyed your pivot to book Twitter. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I remember the old days when you were proud of not... Of, of how many books you hadn't read. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I just... Uh, I think it probably helped that I started reading books like right before the pandemic and then oh, my yeah. brain was like, great, I'll just start doing this all day, every day because I'm not going <laughs> to think about the world. <laughs> See, I got really bad at reading during the pandemic. Oh, interesting. Because... Oh, sorry. I, I was I, just going to say, for me, it was like, um, if I watch, you know, if I put on TV, it's easy to, like, not pay attention and just think about the world instead for, and then realize the episode's over. Um, <laughs> and so books, it was like, okay, this is something I actually have to uh, put my thoughts away to experience. Right. You engage directly. But, um, like, I never stopped working when all the lockdown happened, which I say not to brag because it was miserable. <laughs> but that meant all I did was work because what else? Then I couldn't do anything else. And my brain just went bad. Like, I didn't have the mental energy to, to really read a book because just some. Uh, it's all work and no play made EJ a dull boy, I guess. <laughs> it's, I don't, it really kind of changed how I, how I 
related to entertainment in a lot of ways. Like even I, I don't watch 10 hours of TV a day like I used to, which saying out loud, I am embarrassed by. <laughs> uh, but also I'll watch the same episode of BattleBots three times. So look, I'm not saying I'm, uh, I'm please, please don't say, think I'm trying to present myself as a hero here. <laughs> I'm just, I am impressed that you have that you read a million books and my brain just went soft and I'm only now trying to get back into yeah I need to I need to I need to look at I need to look at words on a page uh so you've been very inspirational in that regard oh thank you regularly I will see Twitter go how many books is he reading Mm -hmm. all of them um I'm sure trying it's, it's, that's me complimenting the host. <laughs> Thank you. It's a regular segment on the show, right? <laughs> you know, not enough people uh, give me compliments and tell me I'm doing a great job of being a book guy. And I, I think they should. Well, you know what? You, you deserve the credit. So let's, <laughs> uh, let's, <laughs> that's, that's how you should credit yourself as, as host. Uh, you know, hi, welcome. I'm Lenny, book guy. Yeah, I keep expecting it to, like, benefit me more because sometimes I'll apply for jobs that are, like, um, <laughs> like, there there are a lot of jobs that are, like, involve reading books so you can, like, tell people if they should make it into a TV show, you know? And mm-hmm. so they'll, like, say that in the job listing, and I'm always like, I know no one else's ass is reading. Like, how am I not <laughs> to stand out here? I'm going to show them my Twitter feed. Yeah, come on. <laughs> I what? only knew TV for uh, 30 years, and now I added one additional thing that I know, and I deserve <laughs> more credit for that. There are two parts to my personality now. <laughs> but in, in all honesty, I was meaning to, I thought it'd be fun to kind of read all of Elmore Leonard just because... Uh, you know, when my brain went mushy, like, this is not meant as a slam on Elmore Leonard at all, but it's, you could haul through his books. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially some of the, the, like, ones in the 80s where it's like, how was this even long enough to be published as a book? Um, and because I'm me, I always think, oh, I'll just start chronologically. But that means starting with the Westerns. <laughs> and his Westerns are fine. I just don't want to read Westerns. Every once in a while, there's a, you know, 310 to Yuma is a, that that one slaps. But I can only read so much Western. And I'm like, ugh. And I keep giving up. And I'm like, I'll just start when he moves to Detroit and then go from there. As soon as he starts writing, writing about, uh, about anything said in the present. And I had a lot of fun rereading Pronto, and that sort of kind of kicked me off into, uh, you know, I'm not saying I'm going to read exclusively Elmore Leonard, although, honestly, I've lived a long time. Indulge me. <laughs> but I had so much fun with Pronto, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to sort of, when I got some time, I'll just crack open one of those old 70s Elmore Leonards and just 
just have myself a great time. Hell yeah. There is a, it's one of his earliest crime novels where he, as an author, he makes some weird choices. Mm-hmm. And you, you probably noticed in Pronto, sometimes he phrases things kind of weird, but does it so consistently that either, oh, maybe that's just how they said it when he grew up. And uh, and I think he has a couple things in the 2000s that are just genuinely beautifully written books. But some of his 70s stuff is real kind of ticky, and it's like him trying to think of what a cool guy would say. And he's trying to describe this cool crime boss. And one of the things he says of him that's supposed to make us think, oh, that guy is cool, is one time he painted a white girl brown and kept her for six weeks. What does that even mean? Oh, geez. It's not, it's not good. <laughs> like, there, there's no part of it that's okay that he did that, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know what it means. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not, it's not okay. It probably wasn't okay then. Well, I mean, it definitely wasn't okay then, but it probably just wasn't even okay to put in a book. Right. <laughs> Like some editor should have called him and said, hey, great job. I think we're going to sell a bunch of copies. We're going to take out one line. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, there definitely uh, were like parts of his books I found weird. The The line about how the fat guy didn't look human was definitely the worst for me. I was like, I bet he did. I bet he just looked like a fat person. <laughs> um. I also remember in La Brava, the previous one I read, uh, there was this old retired uh, actress. And so the whole time I was picturing like current day Charlotte Rampling. And then you find out she's like 34. (laughs) (laughs) She like, she's like talking and she's like, oh yeah, I quit. I, uh, I just can't play those like mom roles. And it's like, well, maybe you should instead of like, retiring from acting forever when you hit 29. Oh my god. So the, the character went from uh went from Charlotte Rampling to uh <laughs> I can't think of anybody who's 29 years old. To... Yeah, I know. I like when you when you hear her age you're like like, "Oh, I think she could be on Riverdale." Like what's right. the problem? <laughs> She's she's Allison Bree during community. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) God, that's really good. Yeah, the uh, you know as a as a fat guy, I have to say some of that didn't feel great. But uh, (laughs) although that the fact that he was given a specific weight and it is more than me made me think, all right. Elmore Leonard would not write a cruel take on me. (laughs) He would instead make fun of me for being clumsy and slow. (laughs) Actually, Elmore Leonard seemed like kind of a sweet man. (laughs) I've I've said some things that make it seem like I think he was a monster, but (laughs) he seemed like a very nice man. His son is writing Raylan Given novels now. Oh, wow. Givens. Why did I call him Given? He's like my best friend. Why would I get his last name wrong? <laughs> and 
the funny thing is he actually wrote one called Raylan Goes to Detroit, which is so on the nose and is so like they wanted to option a novel so they could make a miniseries about Raylan going to Detroit. Right. Instead of taking the one that's called Raylan Goes to Detroit, they said, oh, let's get this one Raylan isn't in and uh, just rewrite it. <laughs> like, that must not be a good book. Yeah, wow. By the way, I typed in uh, Raylan Givens novels to get the list, and when I typed in Raylan Givens, the first suggestion was Raylan Givens' hat, which I just think is precious. <laughs> His hat gets taken twice in the first season. Yes, and I love that that there's an episode just called Hatless. Like, that's the most notable (laughs) thing about the episode. And I feel like when I saw that in the listing at the time, my reaction was probably, oh, shit. (laughs) They're going to take his hat. Yes. Oh, yeah, this... That's right, this show... It started in 2010. Mm-hmm. So it was, the whole run of it was when I was actively writing about TV. So I probably wrote about Justified a million times. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't recap it, which is good because I've never been able to rewatch a show I recapped. Oh, wow. I'll do it for Gotham. And I guess I did it for The Leftovers and The Venture Brothers, but... So I guess only some shows that I recapped I haven't been able to rewatch. But, you know, what am I going to do? Not watch Venture Brothers? Um, but, like, Lost. I I cannot bring myself to rewatch Lost, and I still have only positive feelings about it. So have you not watched it? Uh, uh, you only watched it, like, when it was actually airing new episodes? Yeah, I haven't oh, gone wow. back to it since it ended. And one day I probably will, but it's... It took up so much of my time. <laughs> and uh, I think it, yeah, it, it, yeah, Lost ended in 2010. Same year Justified started. Was one reincarnated as the other? Yes. <laughs> um, and that, that was before I knew you. Hmm. So you probably wouldn't even be aware of this, but the, like the last two seasons, I was writing two recaps a week. Well, I guess only one was a recap and then was a, pregame where I was taking like rumors from the internet and things that Mm -hmm. I thought were going to come up and it was like I was writing like 10,000 words about Lost every week and right now it's still I tried queuing it up and I'm like oh it still feels like homework (laughs) wow it feels like I have to like I just just like hearing you talk about it I would have assumed that you know you you rewatch it a lot, but it does make sense that you just if you put that level of concentration in the first time. Yeah, there's a lot of it's just burned into me, but it's we're a couple years away from me being able to, uh, you know, sit down and. Whereas like Gotham, that was not something I had to recap overnight, and I didn't have to do research to write about it. Like, oh, they referenced a philosopher I'd better look up. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's like, let me see if I can remember where this villain first appeared. And yes, I can. Mm -hmm. Hey, do you remember Raylan's dad was in Gotham? No. 
he was he was like a shaman that Bruce saw um I need to figure out exactly when it was he was kind of tied up with with the Razel Ghoul story. Oh, okay. I think I remember a shaman in there. Yeah, I, he maybe only appeared a couple of times, but it was fun seeing him again. And uh, he was in four episodes of Gotham, and his character's name was The Shaman. <laughs> um, 2017, which I think would have been season four. Uh, we'll discuss that when you're on my podcast and we talk about Gotham. Hell yeah. Which will happen soon. I missed the kind of uh, pre-the Batman release, but it'll be pre-the Batman comes to streaming. Oh, he was part of the Court of Owls story. Um, Yeah, I love your dedication, by the way, to being topical. When you were like, we missed missed it coming out in theaters, so we'll do it another time. I was like, wow, you really want your your podcast to reflect the news of the day? (laughs) (laughs) My podcast has no premise or reason to exist. (laughs) So the very least I can do is have it be timely. When mostly what I end up doing is talk about uh, TV shows that were on years ago and comic books I remember from the 80s. <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was on me. But, yeah, so listeners, be ready to uh, hear some Gotham talk. Hell yeah. <laughs> You think we're getting all swoony over Raylan Givens? Holy smokes, you have not begun to. Although, man, I, I got to say, say it. Timothy Oliphant's a handsome man. Oh, he's so handsome. Um, I was going to say, I do think uh, Raylan Boyd is maybe one of the only relationships that comes anywhere close to Oswald Ed in just terms <laughs> of being like, wow, these guys are going for it. <laughs> I love that the very end of season one is uh, Boyd being like, will you do it because you're my best friend in the whole world? And Waylon being like, yeah, like that's so insane for that to be uh, the end of Justified, but it works so well. Right, and there's a reasonable chance that Boyd is Raylan's best friend. Yes! Like, it's hard to imagine him having friends outside of work. Right. Oh, as long as we're talking about his work friends, here's a... I don't know if you know this. It's a little bit of a justified bummer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Searcy, who plays Art, basically his boss, who I think is tremendous, is always really funny. Mm-hmm. He's a big right-wing guy. Oh. And he used to be kind of okay with me because he was a right-wing guy, but he kind of shut up about it. Mm-hmm. Like, he wasn't one of those guys who's always, you know retweeting Trump or threatening journalists or something. Mm-hmm. And over this last year, his Twitter presence has gotten to be pretty bad. Uh. But that's all after he was done playing Art Mullins, so I can still view <laughs> Art with a certain a certain degree of uh, affection. Also, oh. both he and Timothy Oliphant have been on Archer. Oh, wow. oh, yeah, I definitely remember the Timothy Oliphant episode yeah. very well, because that character <laughs> is wild. Yeah, I think Art was one of the, when they did the sort of the, uh, when they were private detectives. Uh, okay. They were one of, the, he was the, de- he was the police detective at the beginning and end of the season who was investigating Archer's death. 
Hmm. How was was Walton Goggins ever on Archer? It feels like he should be, right? Yeah, I kind of think. Man, I bet almost everybody from Archer was on at one point. <laughs> Natalie Zaya, uh, uh, Joel Carr—they had to be there. They were. <laughs> I assume all shows made on the same channel are like they share a lunchroom, so you right, just think. Yeah. <laughs> I guess he wasn't the. The things that come up are that Walton Goggins played a character named Rob Archer at one point, and then a headline that says, fan casting Walton Goggins as Archer Fordham in Red Dead Redemption. Neither of those are what I want. <laughs> I'd be okay with the Red Dead Redemption one, but it's not. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, how has he not done a real Western? Like, he's been in the Quentin Tarantino things, but... Look, we're not here to... Badmouth Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> I'm always up for it, but. <laughs> Although he did a good version of an Elmore Leonard book, so hey. Aww. Way to go. It all comes back to Elmore Leonard. Oh yeah. This is this has been my plan to just draw you into into my <laughs> Elmore Leonard uh unified universe. Yeah, where I everything still... is actually connected to Elmore Leonard somehow. <laughs> I do still have another Elmore Leonard book on my shelf, um, and it has a character from La Brava in it, so I, and that does appeal to me, just like being able to know that the, uh, the next thing will be connected to what I already read. <laughs> that's, that, that's very soothing. Which book is it? Yeah. Uh, Road Dogs? Oh, I haven't read that one. Yeah. It has Kondo Ray, who was one of the better characters. Kondo Ray, who was one of the better characters in the process. Oh, yeah. Okay. I should read that one. I need you to tell me if it's good, and then I'll... <laughs> I, I really just need you to, uh, to vet books for me now. <laughs> okay, we'll do. Um, I'm trying to think if I have any other justified uh, 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 minutia. I mean, there's a lot of it kicking around in my mind, but uh, mm -hmm. uh, no, Damon Harriman, who plays Dewey Crow, was uh, uh, has gotten to be one of my favorite character actors since then. Um, did you watch Ultra City Smiths? No. It was... Uh, the guy who did Patriot and uh, uh, Perpetual Grace Limited, he's this really sort of weird creator. He did a show for AMC that was a musical comedy noir done with stop motion animation. Oh, wow. And they were baby dolls. Like, this wasn't even like Robot Chicken where they were action figures. Everybody's a baby doll. <laughs> and uh, uh, Dewey Crow is one of the main... He plays Street Hustler Boy, who is a 46-year-old man who sells back rubs on the street. But it's great, and he's in all that guy's shows, and uh, so is uh, uh, Jimmy Simpson, who I know is a big fan of your or a big fan of yours. I know you're very <laughs> pro Jimmy Simpson. Yes. I assume he'd like you. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, what's not to like? <laughs> By the way, I'm looking at uh, 
Damon Harriman's IMDb, and he followed up Justified with Battle Creek, the Josh Jamal show. So that that year he was like, I only want to work with actors who look exactly like that. <laughs> was, was Battle Creek the one that Vince Gilligan created? Yes. <sighs> and it's set in a town like 20 miles from where I live. That was exciting. Oh, wow where all the cereal comes from (laughs) that's literally where kellogg's is located (laughs) okay but i don't think they did any deals with kellogg's so i think they had to call it something else on the show so like the one interesting thing about that city (laughs) is (laughs) wow i think i must have watched the pilot of battle creek but i don't think i could tell you a single thing about it (laughs) I watched multiple episodes thinking, oh, it's Vince Gilligan. It's going to get good. I can't remember anything about it either. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it was on Mr. In-Between, which was this Australian hitman drama that FX ran. Um, He's great. He rarely plays somebody as dumb as Dewey, which is a shame (laughs) because he's really good at it. He's so good in that, yeah. He's there's a later season where Michael Rappaport is one of his relatives and it's like yeah that tracks <laughs> he's he's not that far from real life Dewey Crow <laughs> there's a whole season about the extended Crow family <laughs> and I think at least two people get eaten by alligators oh wow <laughs> which seems like it's a miracle Dewey has not been eaten by an alligator so <laughs> Oh, hey, how'd you like seeing Alan Ruck in uh in Justified? Oh, that was so good. Yeah. I yeah, I love that uh girlfriend who you're just like, wow, she's so on board with Alan Ruck, and then it's gradually like, okay, she's learning not to be so on board with Alan Ruck. <laughs> yes. It was amazing. Uh Alan Ruck has gotten is gotten very good at playing a very a very tiresome kind of character. <laughs> I mean that in a good way, but if you yes. knew them in real life, it'd just be like, "Oh my god, <laughs> stop it!" Uh, it was also very nice seeing Stephen Root on it. Um, but I do have a bone to pick though, because he uh, the character. His thing is he's always wearing a bathing suit under his judge's robes. And he has some line explaining it where he's like, oh, there's a rumor that uh, I wear women's underwear. So I'm just leaning into it and wearing the swimsuit. And I was like, well, that's not the same at all. (laughs) No, that's that's weird. They're depriving me of seeing uh, Stephen Root in lingerie. And I don't think that's right. (laughs) You know, I wonder if he was meant to be the main character for Maximum Bob. Oh. He was sort of a a quirky judge who might have worn women's underwear. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But once you said that, I sort of had a flash of it. Okay. And he was played by Jeff Bridges in the TV series. Okay. Which ran for six episodes on ABC, and <laughs> Barry Sonnenfeld produced it, and nobody but me watched it. <laughs> That 
1999-2001 was a bad year for shows that only I watched. <laughs> Every time I, oh, I got a new favorite show, it's called Maximum Bob. Uh, oh, no, it got canceled. Hey, The Tick is back. Oh, <laughs> oh The Lone Gunman from The X-Files? This will be great. Oh. <laughs> and to be clear, I loved all those shows. They all just got canceled very fast. Yeah. Maximum Bob was also the first Elmore Leonard book I read. Oh. Based solely on the title. <laughs> like does, I need a... It does suck you in. You're like, I gotta see how maximum this Bob is. <laughs> how much Bob is that? <laughs> it's a, so gotta, much Bob. Gotta be a lot, right? <laughs> that was I I feel like I just sort of got into Elmore Leonard because I was reading so many books then, and it's like, oh, this guy wrote a lot of books. I can just stick with him. <laughs> that, that, that's the bad way I take in books where it's like, well, now I got to read everything they wrote. <laughs> I think that's great. I Sometimes I want to do something like that instead of feeling like such a dabbler, you know? It does mean my my like my my basis of knowledge is very limited. <laughs> I do the same thing with music, which is actually more detrimental, I think, because a lot of times the albums they made before you've heard of them, there's a reason you didn't hear of them. Right. Yeah. But when I was in college, this guy, I think he was trying to impress me, but he like showed how he could send me like full discographies really easily, like burn an entire discography onto a CD-ROM. Um, and then it just like made me not like all these artists because putting, just playing their, just their entire discography, you're like, oh, this is tiresome. <laughs> cool. I've got to listen to that first album. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> just to segue this back um and I, I i don't know if i've uh uh worn you down at this point but uh uh the the justified theme song oh god yes that uh my my internet internet friend haley was on on my podcast and she says something about how that that theme song carbon dates it to like the one month it could have been released <laughs> I I love the theme song so much. Like, first off, it's it's very similar to how I like that the explosion looked shitty. Like, every time that theme plays, I'm like, this is television. This is TV. <laughs> um, and then also, I'm just, like, extremely trashy. I'm, you know, I'm from Montana. I never shook off <laughs> being trash. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I love it. That's right. You got a couple of Montanans on this on this here podcast. Mm -hmm. But that I think they play the song then at the end of the first or second episode, mm -hmm. and my reaction was, "Oh, there's more of this." <laughs> it's, which is always weird when a TV show theme is an actual real song and you only know it in that context, right? Or like the Cheers theme where there are four full verses to it. <laughs> it was written for Cheers, but they wrote way more than they needed. 
<laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, I the amount I hear of this at the beginning of the of the show is that it's all I need. <laughs> it's the opposite of the Peacemaker theme song, which is also a real song that it turns out I can listen to 100 times. Nice. <laughs> Another TV show based on a book. It's based... <laughs> well... <laughs> ta I <wasn't> tactically. <laughs> it printed matter. I was like, oh no, I can't tell if, uh, if like that's a joke or it's my ignorance. <laughs> no, it's just me being dumb. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I love the the Justified uh, theme song so much just for like, it comes on and you're like, yeah, there should be, there should always be a song and it should not be very good. Like, <laughs> how dare television try to have dignity like it does now? <laughs> I wish they'd gone the wire route and had the same theme song every year and then had different artists record it. Yes. <laughs> that, that, that would have been something <laughs> Man, that's not as funny as I think it is but I, I stand by it the only way is it could be better for me is if the theme song explained the plot of the show I feel like <laughs> there should be more uh, we gotta get back to theme songs that'll just be like yeah he was in Miami for a while but now he's back in Kentucky <laughs> Oh my god, wait, the Pronto TV movie was 1997, so there's a very good chance that it had a rap over the end credits that did explain the premise of the show. Oh the... god, yes. There is, I mean, it doesn't seem likely. You don't think of Peter Falk and end credits rap songs in the same, pro in the same project, mm -hmm. but 1997, that was still very much a thing. Yes. <laughs> if not... <laughs> We should write and record one. I don't know that either of us can sing or write music. <laughs> I really want that to be a thing, though. Oh, man. I wonder who played uh, who played the, the grotesquely fat, inhuman man in the Pronto TV movie. I feel like I saw the name and it didn't mean anything to me, but... Yeah, other than the main, like the three leads, and then uh, uh, Luis Guzman, it's sort of like, well, mm -hmm. none of those are. Oh, yeah, Walter Olkowitz. You're very familiar with his work. <laughs> um, I guess he was in Twin Peaks. Okay. Oh, he died last year. Oh, R.I.P. Um, oh, he did have a million roles where he was on one episode of a TV show. That's the best kind of actor. And it was the voice of Carmine Falcone in Batman the Animated Series. Oh, wow. Hey, good for him. Now I'm emotionally connected. <laughs> Carmine Falcone is very much the uh, the Jimmy the Cap Capitizzi of, uh, <laughs> of, of the Batman universe. Who would you say is the Raylan Givens of the Batman universe? You know, the... You would think Batman, but no, you'd be wrong. Okay, who is it? Uh, I I don't have a but. You know what? He's actually more of the of the Dick Grayson. Hmm. Okay. 
because you know there's still room for him to make mistakes uh it feels like he's still reporting to somebody he skips town batman's not going to skip town <laughs> who well, would you, could... you say oh, go oh. Ahead. no 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 this is going to be better go <laughs> oh i was going to ask who's the boyd crowder of the batman universe well, I already want uh, Walton Goggins to play the Joker. Oh, right. But he's a little too loathsome. Maybe a villain with some redeeming characteristics. <laughs> the, the only villain who traditionally has redeeming characteristics is Catwoman. Does that, is Boyd Crowder the <laughs> Catwoman of the Batman universe? Oh, yes, please. I think that uh, Raylan and uh, Boyd definitely have the simmering sexual tension of uh, Bruce and Selena. <laughs> I wish they, there should be a version of Justified where everything is the same, except they sort of have the Bruce and Selena dynamic where, uh, and they make Boyd like super horny and Raylan is just focused on solving his mysteries. <laughs> <laughs> He's always, uh, Boyd's always showing up in a leather costume saying flirty things and Raylan's like, all right, let's, let's get to the bottom of this. <laughs> let's find some clues. <laughs> Sometimes stealing a diamond necklace just to get his attention. <laughs> I, I'd like that to be our legacy. <laughs> Our, our legacy of every podcast we've recorded together is the justified Batman. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Okay, that made me happy. <laughs> I feel like Goggins would go for it, too. Uh, yeah. He... There, there should be some movie where he plays both Joker and Catwoman and that's a reveal at the end. I think we're ready for it. <laughs> the, the only reason it doesn't work is it's impossible to make him not look like Walton Goggins, so you'd be in on it from the very beginning. Yeah. <laughs> the, the man, like I said, maybe the best actor, not a chameleon. <laughs> yeah, they they would put the like cat cowl on him and you'd still be like, Thanks, Walton Gog. Yeah, I see the teeth. <laughs> you'd maybe put a sack over his head and I'd still probably get it. <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine the idea of somebody watching the end credits of something going, Holy shit, that was Walton Goggins? <laughs> I also I'm just now imagining uh Catwoman seeing Batman uh checking her out and then being like, Oh, you a cat boy <laughs> Also, how's your ditty doing? <laughs> I feel like I have turned this into the worst episode of your show and I apologize. <laughs> No, this is this is going great. I realized I did um, when I was planning what to say. I actually meant to quote quote you to yourself. Uh, 
because I was I was just thinking about um, what I was saying earlier about how uh, justified looking back on it now feels refreshing in a different way because uh, we're so used to sort of these prestige dramas uh, where the episodes don't really feel like episodes. And I remembered like something you said once that I think about all the time now because I feel like it it just became very true about a lot of television is um, you're talking about how, why you like The Sopranos, but it's not one of your all-time favorite shows. And you were like, you know, there are some, some episodes where if you had to describe it, you'd be like, eh, Tony felt bad about some stuff. <laughs> and I feel like that... Uh, really became the model for TV drama recently. <laughs> and uh, I, I like that Justified doesn't have any Tony felt bad about some stuff episodes. <laughs> there's, there's none of those episodes where it's like, well, they advanced all the ongoing storylines, uh, you know, just really set it up for next week. <laughs> Which <laughs> Sopranos is when I did rewatch over, over uh, quarantine and, uh, I stand by that. <laughs> Justified really loves uh, being like, this show is happening now. It's, it's in your face. Everything is very much currently happening. And I like that about it. Man, you would I think you would really like in the later seasons when it really uh there are some finales that are absolutely wild uh uh just rat race like confluences of everything from a season crashing together. Mm -hmm. And it was that there are some seasons that are just so chaotic. Mm -hmm. I love it. Probably, if I had to make my top 20 favorite shows of all time, I bet I'd put Justified on there. Yeah, the uh, season one really impressed me. I'd love to say that now I'm definitely going to watch more, but um, I don't love myself enough and uh, do not uh, actually choose what I watch. I use like a system with a with using like ratings and metacritic scores so really but i would yeah but i would definitely like to watch more justified someday if fate allows <laughs> <laughs> this is probably not something you wanted to divulge on mike but i do want to hear about this system because i'm fascinated it's uh i mean it's pretty boring i like each week pick a sort of theme and if it's um, if it's broader, then it I'll probably just end up watching like the highest rated stuff on IMDb and like the top rated stuff on Metacritic. Um, but then sometimes they're really specific. Like this week, it's one season Showtime shows. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and right now I'm trying to remember if Huff had one season or two. I don't think I saw Huff on there. Let me double check that I'm not just neglecting it. It might have been two seasons. 
Yes, it was two seasons. Um, yeah, Better I wait have... for two season Showtime shows, Huff. <laughs> I ha- but I had to make it every uh, every one season Showtime show that's available because there was just a lot that I was like, I'm not going to the trouble of finding Barbershop the series. Right, they're they're not exactly HBO in terms of uh, treating their <laughs> their content like something they care about. Right. <laughs> yeah, some of those some of those Showtime shows probably don't exist in any format at this point. Yeah, I like. I tried to watch one that was technically available, but it was only on FilmRise. Which I don't know if you've ever tried to watch that before, but like at a completely random moment where there was not like mid dialogue, it like stops and then cuts to add one of five. And I was like, oh, oh. I don't know if I want to do this. <laughs> it's like watching Crackle. Yeah. And then I think the next time there was like supposed to be an ad break, it just fully froze and didn't go to the ads. So I was like, all right, I don't have enough dedication to fast track the 1997 uh, Showtime show. <laughs> that was the same year Pronto came out. You could be watching yeah. Pronto. <laughs> I, I take that back. There's no way you could be watching Pronto. <laughs> yeah. There's one remaining copy and it was buried with Elmore Leonard. Uh, Showtime, release your 1997 classics for me so I can watch them. <laughs> it's a very specific Twitter hashtag. <laughs> yeah, I thought I would be able to do, like, uh, every one-season Showtime show starting in, like, a certain year, and that would have a certain, like, dignity to it. But uh, But there's stuff from, like, 2012 that is still just, like, not on there so I was like all right oh, I'll wow. just do that's available well also the 2012 show I couldn't find is called reality show so I was like <laughs> there's a chance it's somewhere and just impossible to search for <laughs> but I did due diligence of like going to like the showtime app and all shows and just looking alphabetically so it's I know it's not there <laughs> god what a did Andy Daly name that show? <laughs> yeah, God. That man loves making things that are impossible to find. Uh, I know. Oh, I'd like to watch his show review. Let me Google review show. <laughs> <laughs> Did I ever tell you my my pitch is I want to make a really good TV show. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's where most pitches start. <laughs> but it's only available on airplanes. But they don't tell you that because it's like for people, especially people who aren't us, you can watch it. You can find out a show's been on for four years and is good and go, why haven't I heard of this? Right. And it would be on airplanes and you'd be, and it'd be like, oh, wow, I better. But it would have the most generic title. So people would be, I don't know what my voice just did there. It was a cartoon expression of shock people would be trying to google uh whatever this i i I haven't come up with a bland enough show name yet but i just that would be me trolling the population with quality (laughs) it's the same thing paul russ tried to do with love very easy show to google 
And if you Google love Paul Rust, it's just all you get is people who love Paul Rust. <laughs> Which really, that's all of us. Oh, yeah. Also, I don't need people watching that show because I don't need them pointing out my resemblance to Randy. <laughs> now we're just talking about a different show that's not based on a book. I've taken you so far astray. <laughs> that's that's a-okay. I feel like I hear people say that the thing they like most about podcasts is the tangents. Like, I've heard people say, like, it should be 40% the topic and 60% other stuff. Um, which, you know, as since you've been a guest on it, uh, my other podcast, House of House, is very good at tangents. <laughs> <laughs> but I chapter surfing, I've always uh, been very businesslike about it. But I'm, I'm enjoying uh, that this one is for those, uh, for those podcast heads that need those, need those tangents. This is the blank check version of uh <laughs> of chapter surfing. <laughs> and again, I have a podcast that has no premise or reason to exist. So the structure here is it feels very very professional. <laughs> I think I'm tapped out on justified thoughts. Yeah, it's interesting. I like. <laughs> I thought I would have more because I did really like the show, but it is hard to come up with stuff other than uh, like being like, "Yeah, I really, I really like that and everything about it." Um, and it, it's also like hard to uh, compare contrast with the book too much. Uh, yeah, when it's just a character <laughs> rather than any other element. Well, these two different pieces of media had a character with the same name and hat. <laughs> well, they did they a great do job adapting the hat. They did. They really <laughs> nailed it. They do describe the hat a lot. <laughs> Which is funny because really cause you can I'm... just... <laughs> Maybe this is because I'm from Montana, but I always... I, I found it weird how much they would be like, whoa, a cowboy hat. What a distinctive thing to wear. <laughs> and then uh, in Justified, he goes home to Kentucky, and they're, they're still like that. Yeah, but everybody thinks it's cool. Like, they're jealous of his hat. <laughs> I think, depending on where you live now, you really have to have a certain personality to wear that without being a douchebag because mm. you get a lot of I mean unfortunately now in 2022 that's that's almost as big a douchebag signifier as a MAGA hat mm. um, I don't know if I'm allowed to get political here and I don't know the pol the political bent of your audience <laughs> God I don't know anything about uh, my audience if it exists because no one tweets at me or anything it would be amazing if somehow uh i cultivated a big maga audience <laughs> just from my tv and book taste <laughs> yeah lenny's got this big alt-right following <laughs> and then you'll just go full rogan 
alt-right people love hearing about small differences between the Game of Thrones shows and books. <laughs> Have you done Gossip Girl yet? Because that'll be a big hit with them. <laughs> you know what? The alt-right are glad it was Dan. <laughs> wait, wait, I don't know if this is a good joke or not. Alt-right Gossip Girl fan watching the HBO reboot. I remember when Gossip Girl was a man. <laughs> I like it. Social justice warriors made Gossip Girl a woman. <laughs> I don't know if that works, but I'm... I, I like the idea of a guy who didn't watch Gossip Girl until he found out that Gossip Girl is a white man, and then he was like, oh, okay. It's all in. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I like to wrap up by uh, rating the, the book and the show. Um, so I've been... Ha UJ, have you been using Serialized? I have not. Um, so yeah, I've like been thinking about things slightly differently since like rating every episode of TV I watch right after. Because um, Justified, I gave, I think I gave every episode like a solid three. And then I think there were a couple three and a halfs when shit was really going down. But then I, but like my fondness for the season overall is really high and i think it's i think it's fair to say that if almost every episode is a three or a three and a half that's a four star show right does that track with you yeah absolutely i think there's something about the cumulative effect of that um yeah so i'm gonna give justified four stars and then pronto I do want to read more Elmore Leonard and get into it. Right now, I'm, I am still have a little trouble with it. Uh, I just have trouble staying invested, I guess. So I'm going to give Pronto two and a half stars. Okay. And as this, this is a four or five system. Uh, five. Five. For some reason, I was thinking 10, and you gave every episode a 3, and I had to recalibrate. <laughs> um, for me, it's it's very hard to separate out just the first season from my overall feelings toward the series. Mm -hmm. And I think, so I have maybe even a macro version of what, of what you have. And that's going to, man, like I said, one of my favorites of all time. I'm going four and a half for... Hell yeah. Um, season one is not my favorite of the seasons, which I'm not saying in like as a way of slamming it, but like if I had to rank the seasons, uh, like two and six would be at the top. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll go four and a half. Uh, Pronto, it's a little... It's a little... It feels weird to rank books because... Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like I should hold... There should be a loftier standard in play. So, like, I should go, you know, a baseline of, well, where's Charles Dickens on this five-star scale? 
Uh, but in terms of how much I enjoyed reading it, um, I'd go a solid three. Mm. There's, I mean, it, that that would be real hard to support if you do start comparing it to literature in general. <laughs> and I'd come back with like, a, a, you know, like, wow, why can't I think of the names of any books? Uh, I was trying to think of the book the Apocalypse Now was based on, and I absolutely went blank. Oh, Heart of Darkness. Heart of Darkness, that's the one. Like, I'd probably also give Heart of Darkness a three, which is not to say that it and Pronto, you know, it's it's weird, but in terms of yeah, my enjoyment. I mean... <laughs> yeah, I feel like I always go on my enjoyment. Like, I'll give, like, Hamlet a three, because it's like, yeah, I was, uh, okay. I read that, and it was fine, and then, you know, Molly's game, like that was an exciting read. Right. Uh, five stars. <laughs> Our takeaways from this episode is Molly's game is a full two stars better than Hamlet, and Walton Goggins <laughs> should play Catwoman. Yes, those are all just great points. <laughs> I know what I'm using to tweet about this when it comes out. <laughs> Walton Goggins uh, should play Catwoman in the same thing where uh, Michael Cera reprises his role as Tobey Maguire. And as Lego Robin. <laughs> if Walton Goggins can be Joker and Catwoman, Michael Cera can be Robin and Tobey Maguire. <laughs> okay all right um so after the rating i like to do a recommendation um and since uh since we both like the show better uh what we'll do is we'll both recommend a a different book for uh fans of the show um so for me i had trouble with this because i just really don't read crime uh well i don't read crime fiction so Mm -hmm. my recommendation is going to be the book tough jews which is a nonfiction book about uh, Jewish gangsters in the 1920s and 30s. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's a very fun read. And uh, yeah, it just kind of uh, reminds you that like actual crime is just like pretty stupid. <laughs> like I read it being like, oh, this will make me, this will help me understand the intricacies of mob guys. And then it's all like, yeah, they went to businesses and made them give them money. <laughs> oh man okay i want to read that i i think you'd like it um whew, i'm you know what i'm gonna do my like the the crime novels i thought of are very hard to connect to justified mm-hmm. and i realize i won't be penalized for that <laughs> but instead i'm gonna I'm going to recommend another Elmore Leonard that kind of stands out for me as being really, uh, really different from a lot of the other stuff he wrote. And I think it's at the time, at the time he wrote it when he was in his seventies, he said it was the best thing he'd ever written. Oh, wow. Um, it came out in the early two thousands. It's called Tisha Mingo blues. And it's about a guy with a troubled past who makes his living as a stunt diver at like roadside attractions. Mm -hmm. And it's not super 
high concept and and adrenaline-y. And it's this really, it's it's I don't know. It it kind of touches on these less glamorous parts of Florida, and it gets into the Harlan of Florida, kind of. Mm. But it's a it's a really it's a really interesting character. I have not read it in a while, or I'd be more specific. But it's it's one of the ones of his I've gone back and reread a few times because everything just clicks in that one. I feel like it would not, despite not having a f- real focus on law and order, I feel like it it fits into the the justified vibe. Nice. It's it's a whole lot of Dewey Crows in that book. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining me, and uh, thank we you for having you like me to do your plugs. Um. I. You know what? Yeah, I have a, a podcast called Fed Talks. Um, I have not put out an episode in a couple of weeks because I was too sad. <laughs> um, I just ramble. I do talk about TV sometimes. Uh, you have been on an episode. You're going to be on another one soon. Um, it's kind of fun. I mm-hmm. talk about nonsense and hopefully uh, I originally started it just so I'd have somebody to talk to during quarantine and... <laughs> Uh, you know, I talk about TV and comics and video games, and that's kind of it. Um, or I do, now that I don't do stand-up anymore, I sometimes do things that I would have done in stand-up. Uh, Fed Talks, it is on Apple. I don't know that anybody has ever downloaded it off Apple, so give it a chance. <laughs> um, and if I could do, I have a website called The Ape Hive. Uh, for a long time, I had a site called Spunky Bean, and Lenny was a writer there. Uh an esteemed writer, I would say. <laughs> Did a lot of content for a couple years. Uh, that site is gone. I uh, have a new one that I am not doing as regularly because I'm much older now and it's hard to write about TV every day and have a job. But uh, that's, yeah, that's TV and pop culture stuff. Uh, I try to be funny. Uh, check it out. I'm still happy with my rankings of the top 25 shows of last year. Uh, I have gotten a lot of pushback on number one. So check oh, that man. out. I know I looked at that, but I can't remember what number one is. I guess I'll have to check right after this. It, oh. It, was it came to up top, in so. conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you very much for having me. It's been delightful. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that show, so I have no... Oh, yeah, I know. You've actually talked about this on the podcast. Wow. That's right. Nobody yeah. saw it. <laughs> my my number one of last year was just Succession, so I admire you for not being a fucking conformist like me. <laughs> I think that was my number three, so... Yeah. <laughs> it's, you can't really Still. argue with it. <laughs> you can conform with the thing you're conforming to is good. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm so... Uh, I like being Jokerified, so I was like, "Oh, I, it's just Succession. Ugh. Can't pull out some CW show." Then. <laughs> Not me. I went with puppets. <laughs> um. All right. Uh, and you can listen to my other podcast, House of House, uh, by searching for wherever you get your podcasts. What? 
I was good. I said that one's good, which made it sound like this one isn't. But I just I I in this I enjoy House of House. That was me plugging it and not comparing it to Chapter Surfing. Thank you. Um, and yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Lenny Burnham, and you can follow the pod at Chapter Surfing. Uh, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Do you want to learn falsehoods? Do you want to learn the not truths? Do you want to go to hell? Join Eric McAdams, Alea Plotney, and Liam Sr. as they go to hell. We Are Experts <laughs> is a podcast on the Major Cast Network. Each episode, we take a topic we know nothing about and speculate wildly till our hearts content. And then they sort of learn a little bit about the real topic at the end. But not too much. Just a little. Tune into We Are Experts. Wherever you get podcasts, whenever we feel like posting it. Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.